3: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is v Prime Time. Live from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas, here is Tim Murray.
4: Hour two of v Prime Time alongside Jonathan Von Tobel. I am Tim Murray. Every night, every weeknight, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern, B-Cin Prime Time. It's a good look on this desk, I'm just saying. What do you think, JVT? Six to nine? I agree. Yeah, I like this. All right, uh, we'll do a little buy-sell. We're at the all-star break for the NBA. We got our NBA guru to my left. We'll do that coming up in 15 minutes. But another event that will be here before we know it. The NFL Draft, JVT and I and many others at the network love to bet the oh, N- N- NFL Draft, love so to passionate. talk it. And uh, Derek Brown from Fantasy Pros, a colleague of our good friend Thor Nystrom, also loves to talk some NFL Drafts. So he joins us right now. Derek, we appreciate it, man. Uh, let's start with, I would say the, more, the most interesting talking point for me right now is... The number two overall pick market, we've seen a little bit of movement this week. And now, as we all know, these draft boards are still being put together. We haven't had the combine yet, private workouts and all of that. But we've seen a handful of mock drafts come out this week. A little bit of shifting in the market. Drake May now down to minus 140 to be the number two overall pick. Jaden Daniels plus 120. So movement both ways. What have you seen from those two quarterbacks And are you buying in on the Jaden Daniels buzz right now?
5: Oh,
6: I absolutely am. I mean, Jaden Daniels is my QB1 in this process. And people could roll their eyes at that, and I understand it. But the guy put up an electric season in 2023, and a lot of the worries or holes to his game, he patched those up, guys. So, like, we're talking about a guy that is mobile, and you want to talk about the number two overall pick, Washington. We know what Cliff likes. He likes mobility out of his quarterbacks, handpicked Kyler Murray, er, uh, Kyler Murray in Arizona, who's seen what he did with Patrick Mahomes, other quarterbacks. So I'm buying into a lot of the Jane Daniels. If you're telling me he's plus money to go number two, that's going to continue to shift. And so I think that we're going to see the market continue to move in the direction of Jane Daniels. And you can even interest me in some of these off the, off the board guys like J.J. McCarthy to possibly be the number two overall pick, who again, my QB too. But I think there's a lot of ways to go instead of trying to chase the juice with Drake May.
5: So you mentioned, right. Jaden Daniels, number one, JJ McCarthy, number two. Why is your opinion so different than the mass consensus that Caleb Williams is going to be the first overall pick?
6: I look at Caleb's game and the way that the the hope and the hype is real with him, but the, the, it's not so much that I dislike the kid. Like I like his game, but I'm willing to give context to what we saw in 2023, and that's not always the starting point in a lot of conversations that include Caleb Williams. For me, Caleb Williams, we have to talk about if We only had 2022 as the only film that we could process about Caleb, the only sound bites that we had from him. The only thing that we had to build our evaluation on Caleb Williams was 2022. Yes, it would be the runaway QB1. But we did have 2023. We cannot wish that away. We cannot pretend like it didn't happen. We can talk about the weapons, offensive line, all those types of things for USC. But in that same conversation, we do have to acknowledge that Caleb Williams showed a wide, wider range of outcomes than what he produced in 2022. A lot of hero ball on his tape, a lot of choosing to go the direction of a double-covered go ball on certain snaps instead of taking what the defenses was, was giving him And with those processing parts to his game, I I see a larger or a wider range of outcomes for Caleb Williams. Not saying the kid's going to be a bad NFL player. I still like him. He's still firmly in my tier one of quarterbacks, which I look at all these guys as being one long tier, but he is my QB three of this process. I have fewer questions about JJ McCarthy and Jane Daniels, especially both of those guys when you look at the efficiency metrics and you marry that with their film.
5: So if we're using that and and looking at the market, would you then say there is value in betting on any one of Jaden Daniels or J.J. McCarthy to go before him in this draft?
6: I would. Yes, I I think it's possible. And all you need is one team to really buy in. And as much as we talked about, like I mentioned, like Cliff, Love, and the other quarterbacks, J.J. McCarthy has un realized or at least underrated should i say for the narratives out there ability to play off script and use his legs we know what jane daniels can bring to the bring to the table as well but i love both of those guys and where they're at in the markets right now because a lot of the steam is coming in and a lot of the juice that you're having to deal with is all in caleb williams and it's all in drake may as the clear consensus qb2 and i think the farther we get into this process Drake may is going to fall down the board. And this is not saying that I I think the kid's a bad player, but I think that is going to happen. And what we're seeing in these early markets and the movement we're seeing in them, I think that continues to pile upon itself.
4: So going back to JJ McCarthy, Derek Brown, joining us here uh, from uh, fantasy pros, JJ McCarthy, when you look at his tape, how do you kind of fully put together uh, an evaluation of J.J. McCarthy because the other you know names that we've talked about, the Caleb Williams, the Drake Mays, the Jaden uh, Daniels, the Michael Penix, if you want to throw them in there, Bo Nix, they were throwing the ball a lot more. And as we saw, understandably so, with their offensive line and, and their t- ca- uh, tandem of running backs, they didn't need J.J. to utilize his arm all that much. So how do we properly analyze JJ McCarthy and and how much do you believe that when he goes to the combine and shows his size and his speed and all of that, that will help out uh, him in his draft process?
6: I think he's going to run a four five. I mean, we've already seen reports of four, 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 five come out about JJ McCarthy. So I think that that testing speed and he's going to test, I I would expect he's going to run the 40 because he's going to do everything that he can to help his draft stock and to boost himself up the board. And that is going to be a plus for him now looking at his game. And and that's the first thing that everybody brings up and they say, well, Michigan didn't throw the ball. And it's like, if you look at just not even not just necessarily the pass attempts per game, but the overall passing volume and what we, we have to work with for McCarthy. Yes. On a per game basis, McCarthy did not throw the ball as much, but can we also talk about part of that is also, a washout factor from Jim Harvey and Jim Harbaugh being your coach, them having a good defense and a, ro- a good run game and being in a lot of positive game script. If he'd have been in a different situation, we're talking about a player that on a per dropback basis, the efficiency numbers are off the freaking chart guys. Like this is a player that last year, JJ McCarthy amongst all FBS quarterbacks, at least 150 dropbacks. He was 10th in PFF passing grade. Fourth in adjusted completion rate, and he was top 12 in basically every other metric that you could pull up yards per attempt, adjusted completion rates, downfield, deep passing, and versus pressure. So, all of the efficiency metrics scream that we need to not get hung up on the volume stats for JJ McCarthy. And if we want to talk about the volume stats, I know it's a lot, of, a different number of game sample size. Jane Daniels, I just talked about, only threw the ball five times more than JJ McCarthy last year. So, are we playing the narrative with Jane Daniels about, oh, he didn't throw the ball enough to do enough to sit here and show us that he's a good passer? You don't hear that talk about Jane Daniels, but you do hear it discussed for J.J. McCarthy.
5: Uh, how, many are, uh, how many of these guys are going in the first round, quarterback-wise?
6: Four. Uh, I think only four guys. I look at, it's the top of the board. It's Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jane Daniels, and J.J. McCarthy are going to be first-round picks. I'm not buying any of the which I would call weak sauce. I'm not buying any of that. I'm not drinking any of that Kool-Aid. I don't think Bo Nix is going to be a first round pick. I do not think that Michael Penix is going to be a first round pick. So cross those off the board. I think it's going to be four. So you're probably going to see that line. I haven't looked lately, but when they post the line, it's either going to be three and a half, four and a half. I'll be, uh, four is my line
5: yeah we're we're hoping for four and a half here because one, one of my things yeah. every under. draft season um since we've had nfl draft betting um derek it's uh six and one of the under because the market just really overvalues yeah. all of these quarterbacks every single year so i like we're kind of on the same wavelength here where i've come around to yeah i think it's going to be these four that we're talking about whatever order but i i can't buy either bo nicks or michael Penix making the way in so yeah we're waiting for four and a half here too yeah, that's
6: exactly what I want, and I'm hoping that we get that, guys, because all we need is Bo Nicks or Penix to go out and do some things at the Combine and really kind of reestablish yep. that hype near uh, as far as in the college playoffs, and if that happens, <laughs> give us the under.
4: Derek Brown uh, for Fantasy Pros at Bro underscore FFB on Twitter, Wide receiver-wise, how far and away is Marvin Harrison better than the likes of Malik Neighbors and Aroma Dunze, or is it closer than some people are expecting?
6: I think it's closer than people are talking about. I think, again, going back to the quarterback market, people could shy away and say, well, you've got Caleb down the board. Why do you hate the kid? I'm like, I don't. I have them all in the same tier. It just depends on, you know, what pick a flavor. Who do you like? And with the wide receivers, I think we're looking at the t- very tip top of the board with those three receivers. It's a similar conversation. I don't think they're that far apart than what people are giving it credit for. And I'm still early in their film and earlier in the tape and trying to figure out where I'm going to stack these guys. But right now, they're a very short stone's throw away from each other.
4: Derek, great stuff, man. We appreciate it. Look forward to uh, picking your brain as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft.
6: Oh, thank y'all for having me, man. We're going to make some money on the NFL draft this year, boys. All right, yes, we are. Can't
4: wait. wait. There he is, Derek Brown uh, from Fantasy Pros at Dbro underscore FFB. Are we going to get JVT a four and a half? I'm a little
5: nervous we're not. Might get the flat four. I know. The problem is you can't set it at three and a half. No. I can't wait to see what they're going to do with this.
4: I think they're going to probably... It would it would be such a it would be such a cop out if they
5: just went flat four. Well, the books have never
4: copped out when it comes to the NFL draft. So, <laughs> yeah, there wouldn't be a book in Vegas that put up the market for less than 24 hours and then took it down. Right? Yeah, wouldn't do that would. <laughs> that would never happen because the books are never scared. No, they are. They hate the NFL draft. Just ask them. Derek Stevens has said it on this show. He does not like booking the NFL draft. They hate it. That's why we love it, and hopefully uh, we get some. Interesting markets out there. All right, the NBA All Star break is here. Let's do a little little stock report. Buy low, sell high. Who to stay away from? We'll do that next year on V Syn Primetime.
0: Attention, all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season.
3: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: This is Vicent Prime Time with Tim Murray on vzn, the sports betting network.
4: Make sure you head over to vsin.com Got a fresh new look. Enhanced navigation. Got our best bets up there. Got the betting splits that people love to check out so much. All of that. Make sure to check it out. vSin.com. Uh-oh. Hmm.
5: What? what are we looking
4: at? I don't like it. I don't like the start we're having there. Oh, uh, uh, okay. In St. All Louis. Right. Vardy. Vardy. Down, down five. It's a little Tim. Sl- sloppy. Tim.
5: Our relationship has grown because I'm, I'm here every Tuesday and Friday. Is that it? And I will say, the more our relationship grows, I won't let you be this pessimistic. I'm very pessimistic. I won't let it happen. It's my style. It's my,
4: it's my move. It's my Frank Costanza. Instead of stopping short, it's pessimism. Don't
5: believe don't in uh, I've never watched Seinfeld. Never? Never once? Mitch tried to show me, Mitch Moss, who hosts Follow the Money, um, he showed me an episode where they were was it the hamptons and like who's the crazy guy kramer kramer was stealing uh was stealing lobster Lobsters. traps yeah but the, the problem is so it's a fine show it's not like i don't like it right like every episode i've watched i think i've watched like five in total i've enjoyed it sure. the problem is that when mitch showed that to me he did one of those things where he was like you know like looking uh, at yeah. me to see if i was laughing the whole time and i was just like yeah it's it's funny like <laughs> it's it's great but you can't do that. You know, especially when it comes to comedy, you can't sit there and then just Yeah. Yeah, you You're laughing? Yeah. I mean it's like, you know, one of my <laughs> Like I can
4: feel his eyes burning into me the whole time. <laughs> it's like, I mean, when you I think I did that. You know remember the movie, uh... have you ever seen the movie American Psycho with Christian Bale? Yes, it's the one classic. of the, it's good. one of the weirdest movies ever. And I remember watching it, and it's a good movie, right? And some people love it. And I remember I showed it to all my college roommates because we lived in like a group of 8. I'm like, "Oh, we got to watch American Psycho." And they were like, "What the hell is this movie? This is the weirdest movie ever. This movie sucks." Oh. I was like, "Really?" Was the like, book th- is really good. I did read the book. That was really good. But, yeah. No, I hear you. When when you get that moment of like you got to watch it. It's the best movie ever. Like don't do that with movies like Joe Dirt. Like, I love Joe Dirt. It's hilarious. Oh. But when I first threw in the VHS of Joe Dirt in the in the Murray house basement, we had no expectations. See, that's the goal in life. Keep the expectations low. So if you go over that low expectations bar, eh, yeah, things are better. Correct. Right. Buy low, sell high. Teams that had low expectations, not the Milwaukee Bucks, JVT. No. It's an ISO on JVT for some reason. There it is. Hey, how you doing? Um, Let's start with the Bucks because we opened the show with them, and this is a team that I think I've asked you many, many times, what do we do with the Bucks, right? I, for one, thought the Damian Lillard trade was a good move. It doesn't look like it's going to work out as of right now, at least this year, but let's not... Let's just start here. The revisionist history on that trade, I'm still good with it. They lost in the first round of the Heat. No one else stepped up offensively in the postseason outside of Giannis. And Giannis wasn't happy, and he made it known, and they went out, and they were aggressive, and they got Damian Lillard. It doesn't feel like it's working out right now. You would know more about this than I, but doesn't feel like they use the two-man game with those two nearly enough. But here we sit at the All-Star break. They're third in the East. They just lost an inexplicable game back-to-back, let's be honest. They got Correct. smashed by the Heat without Jimmy Butler, and then they went to Memphis as a 14-point favorite and lost to a team that should be in the G League right now with the Grizzlies, the way their roster is constructed. But yet, JVT, they're 7-1 to to win the championship, they're 3-1 to to win the East, and you hit on it to start the show, if we're doing the buy low, sell high exercise, which you and I like to do, especially on a on a nightly basis, college football, college basketball, NBA, whatever it may, may be, you tell me. It doesn't feel like they're a buy-low candidate. It still feels like despite the struggles and terrible ATS numbers, they are
5: not getting uh, corrected enough. No, they're not. They're the second-worst ATS team in the NBA right now. And it's not like I'm saying, because I, I would echo your sentiments in that like I, everybody was for the trade and uh, in, in paper. It was hand glove. It was going to work and not like the OJ hand glove that it didn't fit. Like it was supposed to look really, really good together, but they don't look properly. Like they, it looks really clunky on offense. You mentioned like the Dame Giannis pick and roll. It still looks weird. Like they're like running into each other at times and doing something. They're not really vibing at this point point. and the offense can be better. And still they're fifth in offense. The problem is they're hovering around 20th, depending on where you look in your defensive metrics by efficiency standards. And from a net rating standpoint, Tim, hanging around 12th-ish in the NBA, on par with teams like Dallas, Golden State, I mean, even Houston, right? In Houston, they're about 1.4 points better by non-garbage time net rating. And from a cover standpoint, they are failing to cover at the second-worst rate in the NBA. The, The market, at some point, needs to correct itself with this team's expectations. I'm not here saying that they're not going to win the NBA Finals. I'm here pounding the table saying... Until you see the market really adjust the way that it rates these games, you need to continue to play against Milwaukee. Like There is no question about this. Yesterday, uh, I went on with the sports Gambling Podcast guys. We're filling in on Follow the Money. We talked about the games. And I said, like the two spots here are going to be Golden State against Utah. We'll talk about that momentarily with Utah. And for Milwaukee and Memphis, it would be Memphis only because, again, they are not a team that covers with consistency. The market is too high on them. And you're going on the road. And while, you know, you mentioned the, the makeup of the Grizzlies roster they're still a top 10 defense by efficiency standards. You don't really buy it. And they go and lose that game outright. It's just a team that is too high by market standards. So until you see this power rating adjust, until you start to see them lay comparable numbers against opponents, it is just Continuously play against Milwaukee until you see the market move around here and actually do something with the way that they believe this team is.
4: So last year, you mentioned the Utah Jazz. Last year, the best cover team in the NBA was the Utah Jazz. They covered at a 58.8% clip, 47-33 and two. And you know, this was a team preseason that traded away a bunch of pieces. Oh, they're tanking. You know, they're going for Victor Wembanyama. And then what happened? They were pretty competitive. And This year, now they're 11th in the Western Conference. You talked about, uh, what was it, Tuesday night or Wednesday night, they played the Lakers, and you said that's going to be a big game. LeBron didn't play, and the Lakers still won that game as a dog. So Utah, people cashed like crazy last year on Utah on a nightly basis. I believe they went over the win total with ease last year. Did we overvalue them, and what do we do with the Utah Jazz in the second half
5: of the season? So I don't think we overvalued them so far this year. I mean, because they are, right now, their fifth best in terms of cover rate. They've covered 56.4% of their games. But with Utah, I think what we're looking at now moving forward is starting to sell here on the Jazz. And they go into this, and we do have a small bit of evidence as we head into the break, Tim. They have lost and failed to cover their last four games. They are, obviously uh, see, two and seven straight up and against the spread in their last nine. We have started to see the slippage. And over these last nine games, the worst defensive team in the NBA. I know the names that they shipped off at the trade deadline aren't the biggest and most recognizable names in the world outside of Kelly Olynyk, But those were guys that played in their rotation. And for a team like this that, keep in mind, was a good cover team, but still on the outside looking in of the play-in, right? So you talk about 11th, to ship off pieces that are part of your rotation, the next guys up are pretty poor. And this team, I think, is now on the verge. The market respects Utah as much as you can for a team in its of its ilk where it's where it's at in the standings. But I think we're going to get to a point now, and I think that the point is now, that it's worth it playing against Utah as consistently as possible because I think the market's respect for them was apt up to a certain point. But now that the rotation has changed a little bit here, now that we've started to see the wheels come off, the defense really start to slip – This is a team that I think is worth fading here down the stretch as we enter the, as we call it, the second half in the uh, NBA, although we're well past the halfway point. But post-All-Star break, they're a team that I'm looking to slide down the ATS standings in a really big way.
4: So who is a team, just from a a game-to-game standpoint, we'll do more big-picture stuff on the other side of the break uh, in the futures market and Uh and whatnot, but who is a team on a night-to-night basis that you believe is about to hit its stride and should be someone we should be looking to back on an on a game-to-game basis
5: after the All-Star break. I'll give you two: one sexy, one not. Um, one is Golden State. I think that now that Draymond Green is back, they went into the All-Star break on a really good high. I think they're nine and four uh, straight up, ten and five again. Or give me nine and four straight up and. 10-3 and three against the spread in their last 12 games since Draymond's come back. Like They've played really well. Very good defensively. Very big win for them against Golden State or excuse me, against Utah. I think this is a team that's hitting their stride. And we wrote about it in the primer, which is check out of Eason.com. It's free. It, it is free. Um, the Warriors to make the playoffs were one of the bets that I wrote up. And also, I wouldn't say no to betting them to win the Western Conference, because I think there's a reality that if they get the right first-round matchup, they win that and you're sitting on 25-1 to in the Western Conference semis. You can maybe do something with yeah. that if you'd like. Uh, the, the ugly team... I got to tell you, I don't hate the new look Charlotte Hornets. Um, They've won and covered their last three games heading into the all-star break. Uh, Miles Bridges and Brandon Miller are playing incredible basketball along the wing. They've added veteran depth in Seth Curry and in Grant Williams. They went out as a seven-point underdog and beat the crap out of Atlanta right before the break, 122-99. Their three-point rate has gone up uh, with this new look roster. I don't think it's the worst uh, thing in the world, especially because you're going to be talking about some big numbers. They open on the West Coast, but look out for Charlotte. I think they might be a good ATS team second half. Which one wasn't sexy? Oh, there you go. That's a that's a that's a good statement right there. <laughs> Basketball, they're all sexy. That's
4: Jonathan Von Tobel. I'm Tim Murray. All right, you haven't put anything in the portfolio yet from a future standpoint. JBT will help us decide who we should grab next.
5: This is Prime Primetime with Tim Murray on VCN, the Sports betting Network.
4: At Reed, JVT. If you're looking for a betting edge on college basketball, the VSIN experts have got you covered. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber today. Get our daily best bet emails, 24 7 video access, the upcoming College Hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, plus full access to VSIN.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. VSIN.com slash pro to subscribe today. vsi slash pro. That's Jonathan Von Tobel. I am Tim Murray. It is VSIN prime time on this Friday night. Rick Kamala, SiriusXM NBA radio, also Mad Dog radio, will join us coming up in 15 minutes. We'll go behind the counter with Chuck Esposito, top of the hour as well. See how they fared from the Super Bowl. The latest on Tiger Woods being uh, withdrawing from the Genesis Invitational out there at the Riv. I haven't looked at the leaderboard. Is it still Patrick Cantlay leading? He was uh, he was atop that leaderboard last check, uh, and he is 13-unders. Yes, he is uh, running away from the field a little bit as he is five strokes ahead of Mackenzie Hughes. How often will you,
5: uh, will you dabble,
4: JVT, in some, uh, in some
5: golf? Oh, going forward now, um, like from this point on, uh, quite a bit. Not just, ma- not just majors, but I enjoy golf a lot, uh, especially all these other tournaments that we're talking about now leading up to and through. So from here on out, I'll do a little bit more. Now, especially, I'm in a New Year's resolution, Tim, to bet in every golf tournament this year. I like it. Bet in one.
4: I bet some Cam Young, because Steve. By the way, uh, as I as I'm sitting here right now, his ears must have been uh, feeling it. Steve Sands just texted me and goes, "Hope you played Young over Fitzpatrick, which was a matchup here at circa." That's true. Uh, Cameron Young did not play well yesterday. He shot a five under 66 today, and I believe Fitzpatrick missed the cut. Uh, yes, he did. So uh, I did not play that, Steve. But I did play Cam Young top 20, so hopefully uh, he will get in the top 20 and stay there. But uh, if I had played the matchup, I would have a winner right
5: now. I'm telling you right now that the guy I'm not going to be able to quit this year is uh, Jordan Spieth, who's actually played very well. Uh, he's got three top 10 finishes so far in four tournaments played, and so far today, I think he's top 10. Yep, tied, tied for ninth right now. Um, I'm not going to quit on Jordan Spieth. It's funny. Yesterday we walked uh, humans, and and Wes walked
4: in. And we were just kind of shooting the breeze as we crossed over. And the question was posed, what's wrong with Max Homa? Shot a 65 today. So uh, the the leaderboard's kind of been all over the place. It's uh, It's been fun. Uh, this will be a fun watch uh, throughout the weekend there. Patrick Cantlay, your leader uh, at 13 under. But uh, right now you're seeing uh, some movement. Max Homa 65 today. He's up to T11. Cam Young, a guy that I bet, I know Wes Reynolds bet as well. I think everybody on the Long Shots podcast took some sort of Cam Young position, and uh, they sit at uh, he sits at T11. As mentioned, Tiger Woods withdrew today, uh, so check your book if you did fade. Tiger Woods, if there's some sort of refund out there, whatever it may be. Obviously, he won't be top 20, top 10, how any of that. Uh, and a very short list of folks got cut uh, as this was a, a smaller field. Top 50 made it and uh, and ties. So there you go. Genesis Invitational updates for all of you. Chuck Esposito will join us coming up uh, at the top of the hour. All right. We did some game-to-game teams to look to fade or follow. So In the fade category, Utah and Milwaukee, night-to-night, follow Golden State and Charlotte. And Charlotte, I would imagine, JVT, you're going to be getting some pretty juicy numbers there. And this, from your perspective, what you've seen, this is a team that, uh, as I used to say towards the end of the college football season, and uh, Mike Palm used to always laugh at me, that was on Quit Watch. Does this team seem like one that's going to, for the most part, night
5: in, night out, kind of scratch and claw? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you are only because you get this influx of the veteran talent. So we'll see. You're also going to get uh, LaMilla Ball back, you would assume, at some point. Um, he has missed 11 games uh, going through that uh, that matchup against Atlanta. So not only do you have, like, this newish-looking roster with some guys, you've got a high-end rookie that's playing very well and Brandon Miller, you got some veterans on the squad, too, and then you might get your best player back, too, at some point here post-All-Star break. So I think all of those factors together – I think you're probably going to get a pretty good effort as you move forward here into the second half. Uh, You saw it as you headed into the second half with the three straight wins and cover. So I think early on you might uh, be able to see that. Now, once you get a little bit deeper post-All-Star break, uh, maybe you start to see the veterans take some days off or whatever it is. Who knows? But I, I think as we enter into play, once we get going, and they're going to start on the West Coast, uh, I think that's going to be a time to start just circling Charlotte and some good matchups, especially against some of these lesser defensive teams. So once again, uh, we do have, and JVT was a part of it, wrote up the Western
4: Conference for the NBA at the break betting primer, and that is free, com slash guide. So let's get to... Primer's a good word, by the way. Yeah. You guys should do something like that here. College hoops? Yeah, like a, like a primetime primer, mm. you know? I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Like leading into games and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a good idea. Hmm. I'll have to think about that. 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern. It's a good look here. Um, when you look at, let's start with the Eastern Conference. Eastern Conference, JVT. No, I didn't write that up. I can't. I got nothing. <laughs> well, you're going to do it. Plus 115, Boston. Milwaukee 3 to 1, Knicks 7 to 1, Cavs 9 to 1, Sixers 12, Heat 12, and then Pacers are 40 to 1. This is just Eastern Conference not mm-hmm. futures. How much let's start here. How much in your ratings, do you have Boston above everybody else in the East?
5: Oh, a good amount. Like, I, I think, the, the, actually, to be honest with you, I think that when you look at the way the market has rated the East, I, I put the Bucks power rated on the same level as the Knicks and the Cavaliers. Uh, among that trio, I actually have the, the Cavaliers above the New York Knicks. I think the market, you know, of course, you get liability involved. So I think that's where you're sitting with New York and why they are where they are. Um, but I think there is Boston, a gap, Cleveland, Milwaukee, New York, uh, in that order, by the way, that I rate the Eastern Conference. So Cleveland, and how
4: much, I mean, when you're betting into this market right now, you're really hoping that your team is either the two or the three seed, right? Right. Because if you're Cleveland, if you've got that nine to one, great. But if they match up with the Celtics in the second
5: round... You're in some trouble, well, and, and that's why Tim. I mean, this is why Cleveland is a bet to make. If you're out there, if you're looking at nine to one or better on them to win the Eastern Conference, they are the two seed at this point, right now, with a two and a half game lead over the Milwaukee Bucks for that three seed. So, the way the standings sit, not only are they on the right side of the bracket where you would draw right whoever comes out the first team uh, in the play, and, and look. We know how much of a pain in the ass Miami can be, so you don't really want to see the Miami Heat uh, in the first-round series. But if it's Orlando, if it's Chicago, if it's Atlanta, that is a series you can win. You move on to the next round. You get one on Milwaukee or New York. But to your ultimate point, the path is there for this team because they are in control of the two-seed with a a two-and-a-half game lead as we enter the second half. That's something that's very important, I think, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And so given the fact that they are playing extremely well – They're understanding their personnel. They're doing great stuff with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, staggering them a little bit. They have so many more versatile lineups than they did last year. To be able to have the two seed, which seems likely at this point right now, some projection systems, and I think it was ESPN's had them at over 70% to get the two seed. Uh, There was one more other projection system that had them just over 60%. It's extremely likely that they're going to be the two seed. So that's why I think when you look at the Eastern Conference odds – I am surprised that Cleveland is as far down as they are. I'm surprised that they're behind New York. And, again, I get that liability is part of it. But if we're talking true odds to win the Eastern Conference, there is a strong argument to be made that Cleveland should be second, not just third, uh, in terms of winning the Eastern Conference. And if you don't have anything here, you know, I bet them at, like, 35-1 to before this season began to win the NBA Finals, there is, in the Eastern Conference, one bet to make for me, and that would be Cleveland. Boom. One bet to make, Cleveland 9-1. to
4: If you have nothing in that portfolio right now. All right, let's get to the Western Conference. You wrote it up, and at this very second, as we get as we head into the All-Star break, Minnesota's in first, a game and a half ahead of Oklahoma City. Your Clippers surging two games back of the first place spot. Denver three games back, and then a little bit of drop off. Phoenix six games, Pelicans six games. That is the standings as for the odds right now, as we have them up on the screen for you clippers are plus 250 followed by the nuggets plus 255 suns plus 650 timberwolves first place t wolves nine to one and the thunder plus 950 nothing in the pocket What's worth a bet here for the Western
5: Conference? So I'll give you two here. First of which is the Golden State Warriors. If you, you can find them about twenty to one or better to win the Western Conference, I think that's worth nineteen it. to one at DraftKings. Yeah. for I wondering. And I, I think from a standings right from the standings as we sit right now, they're currently the ten seed. There's upward mobility there. Uh, they are four games behind Dallas uh, and three and a half games or so behind Sacramento. Uh, it's a large hill to climb, but it's not unrealistic that they make it there. And, you know, Tim, if they make it and they are a play-in, whether it's a 7 or 8, and especially if they draw a team like a Minnesota or Oklahoma City, right, the experience being a factor very much in favor of the Golden State Warriors, it would not be unrealistic for a team like Golden State who's playing better, whose season has been derailed by injury, who still hasn't had Chris Paul and who's going to be back, that they're going to be a big threat here to up somebody in that first round. And then you'd have them in the Western Conference semis with a pretty good ticket. I think that's the top of the list. And there's one more, which we'll see. Ooh. We'll
4: save that for a little bit later.
5: That's JBT. I'm Tim Murray. Last year, Rick Kamala
4: came on this very program and said, bet Damian Lillard to win the three-point competition. He did so. What does Rick Kamala have up his sleeve today?
3: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: This is VCN Prime Time with Tim Murray on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: This week on DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers can deposit five bucks and get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Download the app. Use the promo code VEASAN when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Alongside Jonathan Von Tobel, I am Tim Murray. We're live here in Las Vegas, Nevada. JVT trying to figure out what he's going to do
5: with himself tomorrow. No Saturday show tomorrow, huh? No. No Saturday show tomorrow. Or Sunday show. I'm actually done on the weekends. Interesting. More details on that coming. Oh, good to know. All right, let's get to uh, let's get Rick Camilla on the
4: line here, our good friend from SiriusXM. You can catch him on the Give and Go on SiriusXM's NBA Radio, also on the weekends on Mad Dog Radio. I was uh, singing your praises, Rick, because last year you handed us the piece of candy that was Dame Lillard to win the three-point competition. Uh, we'll do a little bit of that and then some, you know buy sell heading into uh into the second half of the season. But looking at this field, Dame Lillard, Ty Halliburton, Trey Young, Malik Beasley, Lori Markinon, Carl Anthony Towns, Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, where are we going tomorrow night with our money, Rick?
7: I'm Jonathan, great to be on with you gentlemen. Um I'm going with Tyrese Halliburton, who is going to be the mayor of Indianapolis this weekend. Um And it's, I think he's going to take over all-star Saturday night. I think it's going to be his showcase. He is a tremendous three-point shooter, super efficient, has been ever since he came into the league. But it's the, uh, it's the shot release. It's the lack of effort. Um, I don't take jump shooters, right? Like a Donovan Mitchell. I'm not going to take a Donovan Mitchell. He's a jump shooter. Those guys tend to tire out. You want the guys that um, are taking the set shot or like the tippy toe, you know, barely get off the ground type of shot. And, um, and he, he fits that profile, but he's just so dead. eye, and, and he's a, he's a master of the moment. He's a rise to the occasion guy. He's definitely proven himself to be a clutch performer. So I think he's going to plug in um, to all of that. And it's really going to expand his game. Um, I believe Carl Anthony Towns is going to be right there for this. Uh, you know, I just, I, I fade dudes coming off of the win. Right. And so Dame won it. Um, and that's cool. But I, I just I'm going to fade the guy coming back the next year uh, because it's just the law of averages. Right. So um, I think this is going to be Halley's weekend. He's the mayor of Indy this weekend. And I think he's going to win that three point contest. But, you know, it's less about narrative street and more about he's a dead eye three ball shooter. And, and I think he could put some
5: huge numbers up and win this thing. That's a great point about the jump shooters. I actually, I bet Malik Beasley, because he's just been on a tear, uh, but he is a (laughs) through-and-through jump shooter. So he might be a guy that fades down the stretch. Uh, Either way, I can't wait to watch it. So I want to ask you, speaking of three-point contests, do we have clarity on the rules for Ionescu and Curry? Because we can bet this, and Curry's a minus 220 favorite. I heard initially it was supposed to be uh, right conflicting lines, WNBA line, WNBA ball for Sabrina. Now we're hearing three-point line, but WNBA ball for her. What's the, what's the rules here? Do you know? I don't know about
7: the ball. I, actually, I do. She's going to shoot with the, with the WNBA ball, uh, but she's going to shoot from the Steph Curry Um, the Steph Curry line, you know the NBA line. It is his. It 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 might well be his his line, line, Rick. It's his line. He owns that line. (laughs) (laughs) Right. He's the great. He's the goat. He's the greatest shooter of all time. Um, and so she is going to meet Steph at Steph's level. Um, you know uh, our guys, NBA Radio, Justin Termini, Eddie Johnson, uh, me and Antonio Daniels did our show today, and we replayed the interview that they did with Sabrina Ionescu. and she explained that she wanted to do the NBA line to prove that women can do it. Like, if she does it from the women's line, then what is she proving, right? No, she wants to go toe-to-toe with a man um, in a three-point contest, which, obviously, if you put a man against a woman and serving a tennis ball, it's no match, right? The physicality and all that kind of stuff, but, in, I mean, this is putting the ball in the hole from distance, okay? Women can do that, too. We just saw Caitlin Clark, and we've seen oh. Caitlin Clark and what she's been doing. So, I think, you know, this event levels the playing field a little bit um, for the men and the women, but... You know, I, I gotta go with the GOAT, fellas. Uh Steph Curry, uh he's, you know, a winner on a stage like this before. Sabrina's not a winner on a stage like this before. There's gonna be a lot of ooing and awing. And she's a badass, right? I mean, she's clutch one of the best in the WNBA. She's nails. Um, I do think she's a master of the moment, but this is a different moment, and Steph's been in it, and she hasn't, so I'll take Steph.
5: Rick, you talk to powerful people. I keep trying to get this out there, so maybe you can move this to, to the powers that be. Um, I keep saying that they should do WNBA line and NBA line, and then winner in aggregate gets to choose which line they want. Do it next year. Let's go.
7: <laughs> that, it's, that's extremely nerdy, so I love it, okay? but I highly <laughs> doubt they're going to do that, but I do like that idea. All right, we're talking to Rick
4: Kamler, our good friend, Sirius XM, NBA Radio. You can also catch him on the weekends on Mad Dog Radio as well. I don't want to lead the witness here because uh, I just had JVT kind of go over maybe some, some spots for folks that, let's be honest, Rick, a lot of your listenership probably just increased because the NFL season just ended and people are, are parachuting into the NBA. So they might not have anything in the future's portfolio. Who is a team right now? You know, if you remove Boston, or you remove, uh, you know, I guess the Western Conference is completely wide open. Who's a team that you would be buying stock in heading into the second half of the season?
7: Wow. So tell you what, I, the Minnesota Timberwolves to me uh, and the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, they're problems, man. They're problems. But, you know, when we talk about are they going to get out of the West? So what do you bet on with those guys, right? I, I don't know. They win the division, they win such and such amount of games. You know, let's look ahead to this thing. Who's going to win the West? Who's going to win the gold ball? And to me, Minnesota and Oklahoma City have all the weaponry. They've got, uh, you know, layers and second unit players and shooters and defenders and terrific coaching, and they check every dang box, okay, except experience. Minnesota has never been out of the first round with this group. OKC's never been in a playoff series with this group. That's a huge problem. Um, That historically is almost always a death knell for these teams. Um, Denver. Guys, and I know you know KCP uh, is banged up, and Jamal Murray is banged up, and I'm presuming these guys are going to get back. And the word is they're not big injuries here. Denver just—I I- believe—they're going to flip a switch again because Jamal Murray. He just talked about it. He's like, you know, I'm an all-star when I need to be in the playoffs. We saw how his game spiked last year. He's kind of having another cruise control regular season, spiking in the big spots against the good teams. Um, and then and then you know settling back down to 15 points and. You know, nondescript basketball games, but in the playoffs, he's going to be fully activated. So, there's hype on the Clippers. There's hype on the Mavs. They're a hot team right now. And at the end of the day, the best starting five in the West is Denver. The best player in the West is Denver. The best Robin in the West is Murray. The best duo in the West is Denver. The best home court advantage in the West is Denver. Okay, and they've got experience. They've got championship DNA now. So I think they're. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be Boston, but I know they're going to win. The I, I feel very good about them winning the West.
5: So one of the cases that I've been making here, Rick, has been, you know, a lot of projections have Cleveland as a very, very high probability of getting this two seed. And if they get that, they get to avoid Boston until the East semis. Why would I not buy in on Cleveland over there in the East? Because it looks like they have a very clear path to potentially make a run to an Eastern Conference uh, uh, excuse me, uh, finals.
7: It's really a great question. And here's the answer because of their loss in the first round of the New York Knicks last year. It was a massive buzzkill. They got out hustled. They got out motored. They got out physical. They got out tough. They got out coached. They they got out mentally tough. Uh, New York brought them out back. Um, and showed them a good time. And Cleveland was not about that party. Okay. And that's a hit. Like when you have a grimy team, that's going to turn it up on you like that. And you just kind of wilt and go out lame. Uh, uh, no. So I I, look Cleveland's rolling. Um, and this is built on a foundation of defense, which does legitimize them, right? They're not 21st in defense. They're like third in defense. Okay. Um, you've got basically four all-stars in their starting five. Mobley hasn't made it yet. Right. But he projects eventually to be one. The other three have Struce is a good player. They've got some good bench pieces. I'm into it. Okay. But they left a horrible taste in my mouth, Jonathan. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. so, they, they, they got to regain standing with me. I am not looking at them as a team that's going to go to the East finals right now.
4: Rick Kamala joining us here on V Prime primetime. All right, Rick, before I let you run, um, what do we do with the Lakers? Leave them alone, try to figure out spots to fade them. I know they're the high power team. They still have LeBron, obviously. But uh, anything you do final minute with the Lakers?
7: Well, you know, night to night, who the heck knows, man, Tim, it's, it's a yo-yo and some nights they, I mean, the other night at Utah, they crushed Rui had 36, you know, but then other games, it's like, you expect that and they get trucked by 22, but they're an awesome team in the clutch. Okay. The clutch game numbers and all that. And what that speaks to is playoff time. Okay. So they are still a potential to go on a long playoff run here. I, I actually like them to make a long playoff run more than a Minnesota or an Oklahoma city or a Clippers or a new Orleans or a Dallas because they've got that DNA, they've got experience, they've got a defensive background. Um, and so I do think the Lakers still have the possibility to make some noise here. I would throw some money on a future with them. I, I would I would do that.
4: Rick, great stuff, man. Enjoy the uh, All-Star festivities, and we'll talk to you soon.
7: Hallie, 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 see you guys.
4: There he is, Rick Kamala. Good stuff from him. Uh, Sirius XM's at NBA Radio, the give and go. That's JVT. I'm Tim Murray. We go behind the counter. How did the books fare from the Super Bowl. Hopefully better than me.
0: It's Freddie Prinze Jr. And Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey Jeff.